This is the Tom Bigby Tales podcast. I'm Shannon Evans, and I write about a small town in Northeast Mississippi called Columbus. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the workplace from hell. In 2011, a letter was sent to then-Mayor Robert Smith to describe one employee's working environment and experiences. I'm going to read that letter now, as well as the addendums attached to the letter. Names will be redacted to protect people who have a right to their privacy. Dear Mayor Smith, I'm an employee of the Columbus CVB. My title is receptionist. In addition to answering the phone and greeting visitors, I have a host of other duties, including social media marketing. I have filed a formal complaint against Nancy Carpenter, interim director of the CVB. My complaint is based on a pattern of abuse, harassment, and civil rights violations. I'm writing to you to make you aware of this situation and appeal for your assistance. I forwarded my complaint to the president of the CVB board who met with the executive committee. They appointed two board members to investigate my complaint. My complaint was given to Nadia Dale and Mark Castleberry to investigate. Their determination was that my complaint was without merit. While I hope that Ms. Dale and Mr. Castleberry considered my situation to the best of their ability, I am confused as to their qualifications and, in all honesty, their objectivity. I presented documentation providing violations of my First Amendment rights and extreme unequal treatment by the interim director. I presented them with five letters of support, two by former board members, two from former employees, and one from the most recent director, James Sisamakis. These were not shown to the board. During the board meeting, where my complaint was dismissed, three documents were introduced which addressed disciplinary, and disciplinary actions taken against me. I have never seen these documents and was unaware that they even existed. I feel that the entire inquiry into my complaint was superficial at best and that all opinions were stacked against me from the outset. Nancy Carpenter has made me her scapegoat, not because of my job performance, but in retaliation for comments posted in the commercial dispatch. There have been several editorials, articles, letters to the editor, and reader comments expressing ideas that she finds unflattering. On May 31st, a letter to the editor written by a friend of mine was also published without my knowledge. She cited Bernie Imes, the dispatch editor, and my friends as being part of her problems, meaning Miss Carpenter. She strongly suggested that I speak to them so that I might influence their opinions. Although I have written a, an opinion column in the dispatch for over four years, I have no influence on editorials or letters to the editor. An acquaintance with the authors of these opinions is not a crime. Free speech and freedom of the press are guaranteed by the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. On June 2nd, Ms. Carpenter placed me on 90 days probation for a number of vague offenses, each of which was fabricated and untrue. I include a copy of this with my response and handwritten in front of her. She forced me to sign the document saying that I would be fired if I did not. Mrs. Carpenter also uses intimidation. In this meeting, she told me that everyone says I should be fired. Quote, the entire board has given me the power to fire you, she told me. I con she consistently used an aggressive tone to browbeat me. It worked. I am having difficulty eating and sleeping. I'm terrified of her and I go home crying every day. One complaint is that I constantly remind her of what I 
I have not received. This is based on one conversation and certainly has not been constant. She claims that I have developed a negative attitude toward other employees. I invite you to meet with other employees and determine if this is true. It is not. She cites in her list of offenses worthy of probation things that have been posted on social networking sites. I have not posted anything that she objects to since our meeting a few weeks ago. She is bringing up crimes that have already been fixed. Crimes is in quotes. She claims to be angry at a post I made about the demolition of Friendship House, a historic structure. She said, didn't you know that it was owned and destroyed by my church? I was quite aware that she attended First Baptist Church. Before posting, I sent her an email of the comment that I planned to make on Facebook. She approved it, changing one word. During the meeting where she yelled at me for posting, she brought up the incident that was long past. She said, her attitude is not conducive to a pleasant working environment. I suggest that you interview anyone who has ever dealt with me in the office. You will never find a complaint about my attitude. She also stated that I will be given an itemized list of jobs. I was not given this list, making it impossible to follow her murky directives. A list of duties was read to me at a staff meeting in June 20th, but not given to me in writing. Once again, this occurred after she read my complaint. In the 15 months that I have been employed at the CVB, I have not missed one day due to illness or any other reason. I always report to work early. Her first, her list of offenses is ambiguous and frankly untrue. I'm being harassed because of opinions published in the commercial dispatch. Opinions that are not even written by me. Nancy Carpenter has let paranoia influence her judgment. I love my job. However, Mrs. Carpenter has created an intolerable work environment. Please give my complaint close attention. Sincerely redacted. Supporting data. This is the supporting data that was supplied with this letter to the mayor. Supporting data. I love working for the CVB and believe that I am a valuable employee. In my one year and three months, I've never called in sick, not even one day. I'm always the first one there, never late. I am the only employee who is not chronically late. I've done my job gladly and former board members dubbed me Sunshine. Current board member George Swales, now deceased, always comments about what a pleasure it is to hear my voice when he calls. One of our clients calls me Miss Bubbly. I'm always eager to jump in to help. After Nancy Carpenter took over the duties of interim director, I never left the office without asking if she needed anything or whether I could do anything else. Here is two examples of how I saved Nancy and the CVB embarrassment and exhibited myself as a team player. There was a major problem when we hosted a showing of the loss of a teardrop diamond at the Malco Theater. On the day before Nancy was out of the office, I called the theater to confirm our plans and was told they had no record of it. I spent the afternoon talking to their corporate office in Memphis and the local managers. It was eventually worked out. If I had not taken the initiative, our staff, guest, caterer, and the film's director would have been left locked outside the theater. The showing was planned for 11 a.m. with party food arriving at 10.30 a.m. The manager told me that he was not scheduled to open until 1 p.m. One employee left the office about 30 minutes before she was scheduled to make an appearance on WCBI, saying she would not honor this commitment. Her comment was, let the chips fall where they may. I jumped in and did the interview. Okay, this is the next piece of documentation that is attached. And it is about Carpenter showing blatant favoritism to selected employees. There will be a lot of redacted comments here. I am the only current employee who has never refused to do something requested. 
Carpenter asked both Redacted and Redacted to appear on WCBI to promote the spring pilgrimage. Both refused because they did not like to appear on television. Number two, Redacted and Redacted both take copious amounts of time off to tend to personal business and vacations. Both were allowed to take off the entire week of their children's spring break, even though it was a very busy time with several big events to coordinate. At that time, Redacted, also the mother of a child on spring break, was given no time off. Redacted was hired to do the work of an intern. Carpenter is allowing her to take the entire summer off to spend time with her children. Although Nancy is interim director with no guarantee that she will be appointed to that position permanently, she has promised redacted that her position will be safe for her. A former intern and college student redacted was let go because she wanted to change one of her days off to take a required class. Number four, I was told that the CVB has a dress code with a strict no denim rule except on casual Friday. I asked if I could wear an ankle-length black denim skirt and was told only on Friday. On Thursday, May 5th, Redacted wore a beige miniskirt with ragged cut-off hem and a white denim jacket. Anything she wears is deemed precious by Carpenter, and she has worn this outfit more than once. Number five. For several months before her departure, I had been assisting Redacted in organizing tourism partners, a monthly meeting. Redacted and I were the only ones working on this project. In March, I sent her an email listing the speakers who were slated to appear. Nancy Carpenter, as director of the CVB, always speaks. I had listed Nancy by her first name only. Nancy found the email on Gwen's desk. No one out of the office would have ever seen it. She became livid and reprimanded redacted and me for not using Nancy Carpenter. Every other speaker has a last name, but I am only Nancy. She was terribly concerned that someone out of the office might see it. Again, this was an inner office email between redacted and me only. Later, redacted provided me with the schedule, which I had requested of some tours that she was coordinating. The word mansion was misspelled. That, however, was not worthy of reprimand, even though it could have been seen by others, more so than by the email that I sent to Redacted. On May 12th, Redacted asked me to proof an invitation she was, she was assigned to design. I found two typographical errors. Nancy asked to see it and pronounced it cute. She would have berated me or Redacted for such an offense. On June 21st, Nancy requested me questioned me about the hundreds of welcome bags that I was assembling for family reunions and gatherings of that sort. She was very concerned that I was not properly filling out the form, which I was. The same day, Redacted turned in an incomplete form. Although this is a small thing, it only speaks to the inequality of treatment. I have a copy of that form. Number six, I have an extensive background in tourism beginning in 1976. I own two tourism-related businesses in a huge convention and travel destination city. I had a tour guide license in one of only four cities in the U.S. that require one. It is difficult and costly to acquire. My experience is multiple times that of all other employees combined. Yet, Redacted has been given an office and Redacted a title. This is a blatant violation of guidelines in the employee handbook, page 7, paragraph 2. 
Number seven, I have received no raises or perks in my time at the CVB. I suggest that the board look into the salaries of redacted and redacted. Number eight, Mrs. Carpenter has clearly stated that she thinks I'm not up to more complicated duties, such as helping with the fishing tournaments because of my arthritis. Since I have never refused to do any task using my arthritis or anything at all as an excuse, I believe this is an EEOC violation. The next item, the next document in this letter, Carpenter gives contradictory instructions that are difficult to understand and follow. In September of 2010, when the Tennessee Williams Center was reopened after renovations, Carpenter asked the office employees to act as docents in the home for an open house party. We repeatedly at requested study notes on the furniture and other items. These were not provided until about an hour before the guests were to arrive. Not surprisingly, the first to enter was a close friend of Nancy's. She asked questions that involved knowledge of the period pieces. I believe this was planned to sabotage the office staff. Tuesdays, April 26, 2011, Nancy called a staff meeting. At that time, she asked to organize the Ghost and Legends Tour, which takes place in November. I said that I did most of the work last year and would be glad to do it again. She said she wanted it to be different than in other years. I have no idea how it will be different. I just want it different. This sort of direction makes the project unachievable. When I asked for more direction in May, I was told, I don't know, I'll have to think about it. This is an event that requires months of planning. I am fearful that the different ideals will be put off until it's too late to present, present this very popular and profitable event. As of today, June 27th of 2011, I have received no direction concerning Ghosts and Legends. Monday, May 3rd, 2011, Nancy asked me to send a notice to media outlets to notify them of our board meeting, something I had never done before. I sent the information to the dispatch, the packet, and WCBI. I also copied her on the notices that I sent. She later came in to say and said she was unhappy with the wording and would rewrite it herself. Since she gave me no direction about specific wording, it was clearly impossible to get it right. Friday, May 6th of 2011. I arrived at work about 8.45 a.m. At about 8.05, Redacted came in and said, what are you doing her here? Nancy said you had too many hours and had to take the day off. Nancy had not told me this herself. Elizabeth immediately called Nancy, who was not at work. Nancy told Elizabeth that I had to go home because of my hours. I had worked only 32 hours that week. This is something that Nancy never told me directly, either before that morning, on the phone, or by email. I believe this was a decision made abruptly and in anger. She had sent me an email that morning saying she would be late. Once again, I am the only employee who is never late. If she had informed me that I was not to come in, then there would be no reason to inform me that she would be late. Nancy Carpenter changes rules to suit her desires. The No Dead Authors event is a good example of this. From September 2009 through the spring of 2010, I presented a monthly Sunday afternoon salon called No Dead Authors. The format was that a published author would speak about their career and writings, answer questions, and sign books. These were held at the Tennessee Williams Welcome Center. Light refreshments were served. The gatherings were attended by between 20 to 60 guests. During renovation in the summer of 2010, these events were put on hiatus with the plan that they would resume when the renovations were complete. 
After renovation, Ms. Carpenter declared that she would no longer host the receptions because the newly refinished floors would be damaged. However, during spring of 2011, she hosted two book signings for personal friends of hers in that facility. With a side note for me, with from Tom Bigby Tales, I also have proof that she created her own company at that point called Making Noise or Making a Noise, and she charged the CVB or for hosting those events and making the phone calls and setting them up to the tune of about $200 for each event. Nancy Carpenter is a micromanager. Since we have been in the new building, she has taken away the trash can, which was unseen under my desk, declaring it unsightly. While she is shopping for one that is attracted enough to hide in the knee hole, I must go into the mailroom to dispose of every scrap of paper. I did receive a wastebasket on June 16th, two months after we moved into the building and after she read my complaint. It was one that she had found previously. It was one, it was a gas, <laughs> I can't repeat, read. Ah, it was the same wastebasket she had previously found too ugly. When preparing for business hours, or business after hours event on May 12th, she insisted that all toilet paper roll must be hanged from the front of the roll. Number three. One year ago, when my old computer crashed, a new one was purchased for me. The new computer has, has a large monitor. Since moving into the new offices, she often says I must work from a laptop at the big, as the big screen blocks my face. This is completely untrue. The monitor is offset at an angle, as is the door, blocking nothing. I believe this is a tack to make my job more difficult and make me less important. Since most of my work is social networking, a readable screen is required. Number four, she has repeatedly told all all members of the staff that we are not to talk about the CVB to our friends. Clearly, this is a First Amendment violation. We are also instructed not to talk about the former director or any former staff members. And that is the complete letter that this employee sent to Robert Smith. I'm going to just take a minute to breathe here because that was a lot of information to take in. But I'm going to tell you, I cannot understand why this has been allowed to continue with the current employees. I have had more recent employees, part-time, mind you, tell me they are expected to put in 40 plus hours a week, especially during events, and are then not allowed to bill for those overages or take equitable time off the next week. Employees are given work cell phones and are expected to respond at all hours, regardless of whether they are on the clock or not, and they are expected to respond to Mrs. Carpenter ASAP. She has location finder for each phone so she can track where they are, presumably during work hours. She reads their text messages and call logs. Outside the business phone, she monitors each person's social media accounts and reminds them regularly they are not to talk about her. Nancy Lou Carpenter, online or in private conversation. Who does that? This is clearly a paranoid person, and she is clearly a control freak. I would not be surprised if she controls what they eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. This is the most unhealthy work environment I have ever seen or heard of. She's either a micromanager, a tyrant, or both. Why have no city or county leaders stepped up to help protect these employees? I am absolutely livid that in this day and age, employees at a government entity 
paid for with your and my tax dollars is run like the most abusive sweatshop. This must be addressed and Carpenter must be removed as director of the CVB immediately.